Hello, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages. This is Zone One Digest, the show of stuff, things, and people, and sometimes substances and objects, but very rarely. This is a clip show where I bring together all of the best of the week on Zone One Radio, the community radio station for Central London. This week, we're kicking off with one of our actual celebrity talents on the station, David Bailey, MBE, who went to BBC Broadcasting House and didn't get kicked out like most of our presenters do. And he had a chat with BBC Radio 3's World Roots Academy protege for 2013. Let's have a listen. Facebook.com slash Zone1Radio. is brought to you by Boss Jock Studio. Podcast from iOS. No PC needed. I'm back in my home country today, the United Kingdom. I'm a born Londoner. Um, I'm not too far from where I was born in West Kensington. And for somebody that's been interested in radio for many, many years, I'm in the hallowed grounds of the BBC. And not only that, it's BBC Radio 3. And... Tonight has been the launch of the 2013 um, World Roots Academy. And it's a very, very special um, academy because it takes one person for a year uh, who is called the protege and put with a mentor, an expert in a particular musical field or particular musical genre. And this year's genre... uh, None of us were told when we went into the BBC Radio Theatre what it could be. And I actually thought it was going to be something from a Nordic country. But it isn't. So before we tell you who we're talking to, what country is going to be focused on for the next 12 months? This year they're going to be focusing on Azerbaijan. Now, you've chosen a particular... or You're very interested in a particular style of singing from Azerbaijan. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, the style of singing I chose was Muram. Muram is not, like, easy to learn. And they said I have potential in in me, like, I can sing it. But um, other students from Azerbaijan, they can't do it. They take years to learn it. And I just performed one there. So they they think I can, you know, go forward with this. What, what stimulated you to take that up? I mean, you must, you must have been listening to music or, I don't know, watch music from uh, Azeri films or whatever. What, but, what, what made you want to do this? Because I've seen you sing, and I've heard you sing, sorry, tonight, and your mentor, and it seems like it's not an easy style of singing. It's not an easy style of singing, but it was my father who got me into this because my father loves Azeri culture's music, and he always listens to it, and he plays instruments as well. So from young age, he would make me listen to these kind of types of songs and music so I, don't, so I know my own culture's music. Because in my normal life, I listen to English music a lot. When I go home, it changes. I have to listen to my own culture's music at home. I know very, very little about Azerbaijan. Um, I know quite a lot about the Balkans where I live, but I, I know very, very little about where you come from. But where I live, there are certain styles of cultural music that are the specific domain of males and there are other styles of music that are the specific domain of females and yet tonight you were singing alongside a male it, is, is it a, a, if I can use the phrase is it a unisex sort of style of singing or or do you have separate for male and female we do have separate for male and female but the ones we performed were unisex like both male and female can sing it there must be a huge repertoire. I mean, your mentor was singing at least three different styles of, 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 
poetry or song or whatever, um, it must be very difficult. How are you going to learn all these? I mean, you've got a year. That's going to be a real, real challenge, right? Yeah, it's very hard. But how I learned all this was over Skype. Me and him would do Skype lessons. Over Skype? Yeah. Me and him would do um, Skype lessons every night and he would teach me like every night. So, yeah. So you're telling me you're in London. And he's, he's in Baku. Yep. You've got Skype. Yep. And he's training you to sing using Skype. Yep. Um, that's sort of like a bit wacky, right? Yeah, obviously, but we, we have no other choice because I can't go there, he can't come here. Obviously, I'm going to go there in April and May, but that's a long time away, so I, I need to learn here. And we've got no other way, so Skype is our only choice right now. What are you looking forward to most of all for the next year? Well, what I'm looking forward to is like um, learning how to perform and... Because I'm a very shy person, I don't want to be shy anymore. That's one of my main things. And I want to learn more about my country, even though I know enough, but I want to like take an extra step and learn more. Well, I'm hoping that we're going to catch up with you at the end, that this time next year we can speak to you and see what your experiences have been. But as a young uh, Azeri living in London, and there are other cultures in London, what would you say to, to other people from uh, cultural and ethnic minorities in London if they could, if they, would they have the same chance as you and what would they have to do if they wanted to take the same chance that you've taken? Well, if they wanted to take the same chance as me, they would have to learn about their culture because I've met so many people from other countries who don't know nothing about their culture. Um, they just act like an English person when they're not English. Firan Hajieva, did I pronounce that right? Yes, <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. World Wide Rates can be heard anywhere in the world from zone1radio.com. Zone1radio.com. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and sentient robots, which I'm sure exist somewhere in the world and could potentially be fans of this show. This is Zone 1 Digest, weekly clip show showcasing the best of Zone 1 Radio, hosted by me, a snarky yeti man who makes no sense. Next up, we got a clip from London GP, Zone 1 Radio founder Matthew Layton's motorsport show, which he regularly uses as a platform to annoy Autosport Editor-in-Chief Andrew Vanderberg on a weekly basis. This week is no different as Matthew attempted to get an interview with Jamie Green, new signing for Audi, but he wouldn't talk to Matthew, so Matthew and Andy sit around and talk about how stupid Jamie Green's face is and how he was probably too busy licking bogeys from dogs' noses. They weren't bitter, though. Hello, I'm Matthew and this is London GP, your weekly dose of motorsports news and music on Zone 1 Radio. The Mayor of London funded. This week's show didn't quite go to plan. Uh, I've been trying to get hold of the best British racing driver you've never heard of for about three days now. Jamie Green has just signed to drive for Audi in the DTM, the German Touring Cars Championship, after 10 years with rivals Mercedes. Andy Vanderberg, Editor-in-Chief of Autosport, will be along in a moment to give you a post-Herez update and a rundown on Jamie's career. But unfortunately, no Jamie. This is someone Letter from the Editor. Joining me now, as usual, the most respected uh, motorsport journalist in the world, it's Andrew Vanderberg of Autosport. Sir, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? Yeah, good. You sound much better than you did last week. Yeah, no, it was terrible. I'm croaking away, but no, I'm, I'm back to uh, fighting fit now. God help those around you. Indeed. <laughs> um, so, what did we learn from uh, all of the testing last week? Anything? No. Okay. So we can't learn anything from testing. That all the cars are very similar to last year. Slightly better looking. Those little vanity panels on the nose are better, but the uh, 
top teams are still the top teams and the back teams are still the back teams and cars go round and round and round. Except for Lewis Hamilton, who I seem to remember went into a wall, didn't he? Uh, we had a, yeah, but he had a brake failure on one day and then he did the most laps in the test the next day, so horses, of course. Okay, so we've learnt nothing, move on. Um, this bloke. Oh, uh, no, I don't mean to sound so cynical about it, but it's, it, it's like going and watching pre season friendly and then thinking your team's going to win the league. It doesn't work like that. Um, the, I think the only seat that was left open last week was, it was Force India. Has that been filled now? No, it's looking like it's Agents or Till. Uh, it's not confirmed yet. Although it might have been by the time we get to the end of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think it all depends all the, on uh, how much the, money turns up. Or the end of the 17-minute prog rock track that you're going to choose that comes after this. Yeah, interview. maybe I should I could pick something especially long. <laughs> make sure the chances of that uh, actually happen. So I've been trying to help get hold of um, young Jamie in his apartment in um, in Monaco. I think he's one of one of those most famous British racing drivers you've never heard of, isn't he? Really? Well, there's Mark Hughes, our, our most esteemed Formula One writer. It's it's his his sort of um, uh, cool celeb, you know, a bit like uh, everyone you know like, things they know a bit about music would say Nick Drake was the best artist you've never heard of. <laughs> Jamie Green sort of the best racing driver you've never heard of. He was comfortably beat Lewis Hamilton to win the uh, 2003 uh, F3 Euro Series title. And not just Lewis Hamilton, I mean, Nico Rosberg, Robert Kubica, it was, it was a real generation of superstars. And uh, he won that quite comfortably. Never had the money to sort of move up um, into GP2, which of course where Rosberg and later Hamilton made their name. And, and has been a very competent uh, DTM driver and, and a professional racing driver, which at the end of the day is a, is a holy grail. So there aren't that many in the world. But he's a, he's a great what if because he was a he was a sensational go karter and single seater driver and I, I for one firmly believe he would have been a race winning Grand Prix driver if he's ever ever had the chances. So if he'd have had that Mercedes um, McLaren Mercedes that Lewis found himself in in 2007, I'm sure he would have done equally as well in it. Um, so he has, and again, we we don't know much about the DTM in this country. Is it the second no. best racing series in the world? It's probably the second most professional. Um, in terms, you know, you've got the Germany's big three, Audi, BMW and Mercedes-Benz spending serious amounts of money on it. Um, it's very professionally run, very slickly run, has a great TV coverage in Germany and um, certainly you go to the, the season um, start or finale at Hockenheim, there'll be 100,000 in the, in the stadium section there and you get a fantastic atmosphere or the Norris ring. Uh, in the, the summer race there's just awesome we have 120,000 in this little tiny street venue it's brilliant but the racing isn't necessarily quite as good as that all that science because the cars are very technical even even now they, they've sort of made them a little bit more standard they have a, a lot of aerodynamic aids on them and that unfortunately means that the racing sometimes is a bit tough to put it mildly um, they're also quite big aren't they well they're, you know they're, they're, they're big V8 um Saloon cars, yeah. So, uh, but in terms they're, of they're very impressive. I, I had a passenger ride with Gary Puffett and a couple of years back, and uh, it was very impressive. They got like 480 horsepower, so uh, they shift along a bit. London GP can be heard every week on zone1radio.com. This is Zone One Radio. That's about all we have time for this week on Zone 1 Digest, but to end, we have just about enough time for a bit from this week's edition of Tech Talk, Zone 1 Radio's new show about everything that goes bleep, bleep, bloop, bloop. I have a degree in communications. Scared yet? 
This week, show producer Richard Lee managed to sit through Sony's two-hour-long press conference for the launch of the PlayStation 4 and other announcements and things they had to make. And Rick manages to bring you the important stuff in under four minutes. Take note, Sony. Two hours? Be more concise. Christ, I'd expect an epic story with helicopter explosions in two hours. Be more concise. So, yeah, thanks for listening to Zone 1 Digest. You can listen to us and follow everything that everyone else is doing, but me, more importantly, on Zone1Radio.com. Thanks for listening. Here's Tech Talk. Zone1Radio.com Now, if you had better things to be doing for two hours last night at 11pm, you may well have missed the launch of the PlayStation 4. I and hundreds of thousands of others watched a live stream of the impressive press conference. It kicked off with the words, Imagination is the weapon in the war against reality, before Sony Computer Entertainment's Andrew House took to the stage with the kind of rousing, future-forecasting, philosophical speech Steve Jobs used to treat us to. We were told Sony were reconceptualizing how the next-gen gamer wants to play, and that approach had been developer-led and consumer-inspired. So what does all this mean? Well, for developers, the PS4 will use enhanced PC chips and graphics processors, a relief for those who toiled with the Sony chip in the previous PS3. There will be 8GB of unified RAM memory alongside local storage hard drive. They've promised a new approach to games, which could also mean new business models for developers. The first great reveal, though, was the new controller, the DualShock 4. Whilst not featuring a second screen as predicted, it does add a touchpad, a stereo sensor linked to the PlayStation Eye, and a new share button. This allows users to instantly upload the latest gameplay action, to stream their live games to friends, or Ustream, and even to invite friends into the game. So if you're stuck on a level and you can't get past it, you can get your online mate to get you through it. The internet, sharing, and social functions are clearly a lead part of development. They aim to do away with usernames and profiles and instead link to existing social networks. The interface will learn your habits and preferences and may even download games for you before you click the buy button. They also said that games will be playable almost instantly, with the early levels downloaded first, allowing you to play as the rest of the game downloads in the background. But what games will you be playing? We were treated to a video of Killzone, which offers immense, intense action and wild graphics. Drive Club was trademarked nine years ago by Sony, offering the chance to drive the greatest cars in the greatest locations together, using the best of first-person games and team-based racing. Infamous Second Son had a good pitch, but the demo offered little. Jonathan Blow previewed The Witness, a kind of puzzle game set on an island. Looks beautiful and very mesmerising. We were also given a demo of the integration of CGI film techniques to real-time gameplay. The PS Move was demoed as a 3D sculpting tool, which was very interesting, but got a bit lost when they animated a dream music scene which involved headbanging and was pretty weird. Capcom's Deep Down, a working title, features knights and dragons with absolutely beautiful scenes and faces, and Square Enix continue their 16-year partnership with the Luminous Studio game engine. And that was that. What we didn't get was either a price or a look at the machine. Both are expected at E3 in the summer. Gamers can put a very impressive-looking machine on their wish list for this Christmas. And that's it from Tech Tweets this week. If you want to keep up with all the latest tech news, find us on Twitter, at Tech Talk Fest. Tech.
Architect. What can be heard in the future at some point on zone1radio.com. Zone1radio.com.